My Texas Table presents the Healthy Brain Podcast. This is the show for people who want to improve their brain stability, clarity, and longevity. Here's your host, certified health coach, Carrie Wainwright-Miller. Well, how are you today? I want to welcome you to the Healthy Brain Podcast, where we are speaking the truth about brain health, standing up boldly for all things healthy in this world, y'all. I guarantee you, you will not find any sugarcoating in this space. Well, I am so excited you're here. We're just going to continue our series on what exactly is healthy for our brains. So let's just throw ourselves right into our topic today, okay? And that would be something that's so vital to our brain health. And I'm talking about your shut-eye. In other words, your sleep. Let me ask you. Do you have that brain that never shuts off before bed? Because maybe you're a creative or an entrepreneur and you've just got a endless list of ideas just swirling around your head and, and, and you're just trying to figure out every little detail and, and you're just not falling asleep. Perhaps you're having to work late every night of the week and it's just hard to wind down and go to bed at a decent time. I mean, maybe you've got a loved one or little ones you're caring for through the night and after you attend to everybody's needs, then you're just kind of finding difficulty just getting back to sleep. I mean, I hear some of you say, well, my daddy always said, you can sleep when you're dead. And and I hear that. I tend to be a workaholic too, y'all. Sleep, oh, I might get five hours of sleep a night and that's enough for me. I don't need that anymore. I mean, I hear that. I hear it. Look, y'all, when I was a single mama running a ceramic business out of my studio garage, there were many years I would work seven days a week, sometimes 12, 14-hour days, maybe getting four or five hours of sleep a night. I mean, there were times where I pulled all-nighters because I was preparing for maybe a three or four-day show out of town. And I just had to make sure there was plenty of merchandise to sell. I mean, there's nothing worse than not being prepared for a big crowd, right? I mean, you know, you just got to do what you got to do. But today, years later, I'm fully aware that I paid one hefty price when I worked my body to the ground and overloaded my brain. I mean, not getting the rest I needed was so, so detrimental to my health. Adrenals, I mean, what adrenals? They were shot. And serotonin, nowhere to be found. Ariana Huffington, in her book, The Sleep Revolution, states that sleep is profoundly intertwined with virtually every aspect of brain health. Prioritizing seven, nine hours of sleep per night is shown to improve cognitive function, decreasing your chances for brain disorders, such as depression and Alzheimer's. Did y'all hear that? Decreases your chances for brain disorders, such as depression and Alzheimer's. When I first heard that, I thought it was just another one of those myths out there. I mean, I I didn't want to listen because I had my routine down. Man, I've been living with little sleep for so many years. And change? I mean, who, me? Right. And then my mama got dementia. And when you've got a loved one that's losing their memory, 
then you tend to kind of wake up from that slumber. No pun intended, y'all. And you start to think on your own and you do some research and you're pretty amazed at what you find when you just read. I mean, the studies and research have been out there for years. It's all public knowledge. I mean, I would highly recommend and encourage you to explore the facts because adequate sleep will revolutionize your life. So did you know that 40% of Americans are deficient in sleep? More than likely because you are burning the candle at both ends at work, maybe raising kids and helping aging parents and so much more. I mean, we're busy. And when you're exhausted, do you find it hard to focus or even function for that matter? I mean, I do. Good sleep will give you more energy to get through the day. Better focus so that you can make wiser decisions. And personally, I think it allows you to connect more deeply with others and yourself. Look, today I'm not going into all the scientific data, like the typical stages of sleep and like dream cycles and sleep disorders and all. But please consult your doctor if you've had problems for an extended period of time, um, not being able to sleep. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about a doctor, obviously, that I promote would be an unconventional doctor who recommends unconventional methods. You do not need a sleeping pill. Period. In my interview with Dr. Holly Holmes on episode number eight, she specifically talks about the risk outweighing the benefits, causing harmful side effects from sleep aid. You'll want to check it out. She's got so, so much great information to share with you on that topic. Now, let's get back to talking about what we can do to get sleep. Over the years, I've compiled a list of things that you can do differently to get a good night's sleep. Some of these I do religiously, others I do occasionally, but it really doesn't matter what I do. I mean, it's really up to you to find what works best for you to optimize your sleep. Because in reality, I mean, God created us all very differently. So I just encourage you to make one or two of these changes for the week and see if you sleep better. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then, then stick with me here. So y'all, here is six things that you can do differently to get a good night's sleep. My number one would be get on a regular schedule. And that means, yes, seven days of the week, morning and nighttime, I used to wake up early Monday through Friday at 5.30 to 6. Then I'd sleep in on Saturdays till 8 or 8.30. Then get up on Sundays for church around 7 a.m. And then a bed schedule, which there was really not one. I mean, going to sleep and waking up at the same time each day flat out creates a rhythm for your body. Sleep.org says to be consistent. Pick a bedtime and a wake-up time and stick to them as much as possible. I mean, I know all life has a way of getting in the way of that, right? I, I get it, but try to do your best not to sleep in for hours on Saturdays and Sundays. If you're having problems sleeping, 
I mean, that way your internal clock will get accustomed to a bedtime, which in turn will help you fall asleep better at night and wake up in the morning more easily. To adjust your sleep schedule, go with small changes slowly. Maybe working in 15, 20-minute increments every couple of days, then that way your body will have an easier time adjusting to that new schedule you're wanting to implement. Okay, my number two today would be stay away from anything or anybody who stimulates the mind in a negative kind of fashion, especially the news. (laughs) We all know it, but we watch it anyway, right? There's just not a whole lot of positive vibes circulating in that arena. In fact, if you've been watching it 24-7 and you're not stressed, well, butter my butt and call me biscuit. And in other words, it, it just means that I'm just a bit surprised. Please, I beg you. Well, I guess I don't have to beg you, but try out one week of not turning on the news and find something else to replace it. Maybe like a new hobby of some sort, picking up, playing the guitar like my daddy did, or knitting. If you've got kids, maybe spend more time with them. Because let's face it, We are in some weird times, and more than likely, your kids are feeling a little anxious these days. They could really use a little tender, loving care, parents, especially if they're still living at home. I mean, I've got three adult kids of my own who are not scared of this virus, but are looking at the ramifications of this lockdown and the uncertainties of the future. You think there's a little stress there? Yep, you bet. Also, I want to mention if you've got a loved one with dementia, then be real careful in the tone of your voice when sharing negative of any kind. I mean, just don't go there. They're quite sensitive and pick up the mood of the room and your demeanor very, very quickly. Stay calm, smile, and Maybe speak some soft, kind words to them as often as you can. They need you too. (laughs) Look, getting back to the news, it's a necessity to be informed today because the last thing you want to do is look up and find that your constitutional rights have been stripped away from you. So let's choose to watch or view the news maybe midday if you feel, if you have to go there. If you're anything like me, I'm a bit on the like the empath side, I can be a little affected mentally and emotionally by world news. I tend to want to save everybody from everything. I mean, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe not. Look, what I'm saying is if you want to fall asleep quicker and sleep sounder, then reduce that late night news or possibly that that children of the corn film because It can be anxiety-inducing, no doubt. If you need to get your daily fix of current affairs, then you might consider like reading the paper in the mornings if it's still around. Or maybe read the headlines on your favorite news app. Just pick out a couple to open up and read. If you're OCD on the iPhone, and only you would know that, then just can it all together. And go follow people like... Brandon Bouchard, Marie Forleo, or like an Ed Milet on YouTube, and dive into some personal development. Now, that's something positive. It's so much better for you anyway. It'll definitely take some stress away. Number three, 
not eating late at night. So anybody else out there grabbing some late night snacks? I mean, I personally have occasional issues with this because snacker I am. Maybe because it can be hard for us to wind down, to even sit down and relax. I mean, I would suggest not even walking in the kitchen after dinner. But if you got to eat something, then grab it before maybe 7 p.m. Maybe a bag of chips, some butter popcorn, or a soda. Uh, Did you really think I was serious, y'all? I was just kidding there. Look, I'm thinking more like a couple of berries. A couple slices of apple with nut butter or maybe a hot cup of um, chamomile herbal tea to calm you before not night. Other foods that might help promote better sleep is olives, maybe salmon, those foods that are high in, in good fat content. They contain melatonin, and it just uh, doubles as a sleep aid. Okay, let's see. Number four would be drinking. And I know what you're thinking, but let's cover this first. That's a hard one for a lot of people. Drinking before going to bed. I mean, if you're anywhere near my age, and that's over 55, we'll just leave it at that. Us women, you ladies know what I'm talking about. Y'all, it's nothing you haven't heard. We have got a pee problem. We wake up at least once or twice a night, if not more, and it totally disrupts our sleep. So having a good cutoff time earlier in the evening is best. Again, maybe at six or seven, because you surely don't want to get in the habit of losing sleep. Now, let's talk a little bit about alcohol, liquor. Look, I've been known to have a glass of wine or two in my time, but I never make it a habit. Because if I do, I know I'll be popping up in the middle of the night, oh, say around two or three o'clock, every single time. And I won't be able to go back to sleep for an hour or so. Is that you? That sugar content, woo, howdy, it can affect your sleep for sure. You might be one to sleep like a baby through the night after drinking, but if not, then quit drinking for a week and see if there's any change. And I'd like to just touch on coffee and soft drinks real quick. Some people can handle coffee all day long, but more than likely, it might be the cause of your lack of sleep. I mean, try limiting your coffee to maybe one or two cups a day, nothing past 2 p.m. And when it comes to soft drinks, let's say a Coke, well, let's see, let's look at that sugar content. It's 44 grams of sugar. Enough said. Getting good sleep, y'all, is essential for your brain. Please, no, don't neglect it. Okay, my number five, we all hear it, but do we do it? And that's put those electronics away. It probably should be my number one because that's how important it is. I mean, every single doctor, sleep specialist I've ever, like ever researched, says that very same thing. I mean, the National Sleep Foundation says it's crucial to initiate a digital curfew for the entire family, a time where you and your kids turn off all those electronic devices for the night. Did you know that 90% of people say that they use their electronic device during the hour of turning in for bed? I had no idea it was that high. I am not a sleep specialist, 
never claimed to be. So I'm just going to read an article by the National Sleep Foundation. It was entitled, Why Electronics Stimulate You Before Bed. They say, using electronic devices before bed can be physiologically and psychologically stimulating in ways that can adversely affect your sleep. Using TVs, tablets, smartphones, laptops, or other electronic devices before bed delays your body's internal clock. And that's AKA your circadian rhythm. Suppresses the release of the sleep-inducing hormone melatonin and makes it more difficult to fall asleep. This is largely due to the short wavelength artificial, yes, the infamous blue light, y'all, that's emitted by, the, by these devices. The more electronic devices that a person uses in the evening, the harder it is to fall asleep or stay asleep. Besides increasing your alertness at a time when you should be getting sleepy, which in turn delays your bedtime using these devices before turning and delays the onset of REM sleep, reduces the total amount of REM sleep, and compromises alertness the next morning. Over time, these effects can add up to a significant chronic deficiency in sleep. So I want to encourage y'all, like I always do, to research for yourselves. Pick up a magazine, read the articles and books pertaining to sleep, and why electronics are a no-go before bedtime. I mean, I used to think, perhaps like you, that sleep was an issue, but I just never made the effort to change my habits so that I could achieve maybe, say, seven, eight hours of sleep. One more thing I'd like to mention, and that's please keep the televisions out of your bedroom. Studies show the artificial bright light can disrupt brain activity and, and alter sleep hormones like melatonin. Your, your bedroom should be a really quiet, peaceful place so that you can get your best sleep. Number six, sleep in a dark, calm, cool room. Close the blinds. Cover the windows with not only shears, but curtains as well. When brushing your teeth before going to bed, I mean, dim the lights. And if you wake up in the middle of the night to pee, then keep the lights off. <laughs> Maybe have a very small nightlight around the toilet area. I mean, light increases your alertness and it will keep you up. Now, make sure that the temperature in your room is cool. The National Sleep Foundation, again, recommends cooling your room somewhere around 65 degrees. Most experts say between 60 and 73 degrees. My husband Joe and I have been keeping ours around 69. And we, as a whole, been sleeping like babies. Science says that sleeping in a cold room will give you the optimal sleeping experience for many reasons. So let's get that AC cranking, y'all. Sleeping in a cold room will definitely help you get better night's sleep and help cure insomnia. This is truth because the body's core temperature actually needs to drop in order to initiate sleep. So if you're having trouble falling and staying asleep, the cold could be your saving grace. That's exciting. Also, melatonin tells your body it's time to sleep. We've mentioned it's a hormone that promotes anti-aging. Your body produces melatonin when you're in colder temperatures. Dr. Christopher Winter, 
medical director at Charlesville Neurology and Sleep Medicine, says that cooler temperatures are linked to deeper sleep, whereas a hot environment increases wakefulness and decreases slow-wave sleep. So let me just say, if you are still struggling with sleep, then please see a medical practitioner who is familiar with checking for, say, thyroid problems or food sensitivities, menopause, I mean, we're going, a lot of us are going through that, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, heavy metal toxicity, maybe stress or depression. I mean, you might even have some sort of sleep disorder like sleep apnea. So it is vital to make an appointment with a doctor. And if you've got some underlying issues, then fix them. So you can feel good again, be productive, and really live your calling to its fullest here on this earth. Look, I guess that wraps it up for this week's podcast, y'all. Thank you so, so much for joining me to discuss sleep, a vital antidote for our noggins, our brain function. It's so important. I mean, we just can't do without adequate sleep. Next week, we'll be talking about another key component to brain health, and that is moving your body, y'all. That's right. Most of you call it exercise, but you may not have the time to get to a gym or join a Zumba class, even though I love Zumba. So what are your choices? I've got a long list of them, and I'd love to share them with you. So we'll see you next week, same day of the week, same place, so that you can get to feeling your best, moving forward, and living a long and healthy life. If you get a chance, I'd love for you to go follow me on Instagram at MyTexasTable and The Healthy Brain Podcast for healthy recipes and brain tips. Until next time... Lots of hugs, God bless you, and God bless America. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace personalized advice from your healthcare provider. If you have specific medical questions, please talk to a licensed medical professional.